Welcome to the Hook Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. On this episode, we've got Gun Marlin Fisherman, Tyrone O'Connor. So strap yourselves in. He's going to share some awesome points on marlin fishing. This guy is the go-to marlin man. So I hope you enjoy as much as I did taking the interview. Welcome to the Hooked Podcast by Cuzzy Bros Fishing, mate. Yeah, how are you, Daniel? I am good. I am very good. So uh, for all our listeners out there, Tyrone O'Connor, awesome gun marlin fisherman. Uh, I met Tyrone over at Burmy, what, three years ago, four years ago? Oh, it'd be something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. four years ago. He was, uh, he was one of the only guys at that stage when I'd gotten back into the game fishing scene that come up and uh, said g'day and wanted to have a bit of a chat and just... Uh, and helped us along the way. So Tyrone is a very, very, very accomplished marlin fisherman. Uh, so I'm quickly just going through some records here, mate. I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, 2015 took out the Burmy tag and release angler, both for your zone and for New South Wales. And then in 2016, took out the Sir Garrick Agnew game fishing trophy there, uh, which is for most tag and release marlin by one angler in a year, which you, are, which you had tagged 41 marlin. And I would bet, knowing you, that 99% of those fish would have been by yourself. I would have thought so, yeah, yep, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a fair assumption. I mean, I don't really go chasing trophies. I, seriously, I don't. I, I'm, I'm passionate about marlin fishing, and um, I suppose when you're passionate about something, you um, you want to be good at it you, because you're spending a lot of time at it. So I suppose for me, it's important that I get uh, some reward for, for the effort I put in. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, uh, you are, mate. You 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 have been one of my mentors, and I, I'm proud to have met you and, and uh and very honored that you've taken the time to invest a bit of time in myself and jackie and and help us along our definitely our marlin fishing journey there is it, it is uh, a massive steep learning curve as i'm sure you know yourself so having someone in your like someone like you in our corner that is willing to spend a bit of time and help us and point us in the right direction like you said you, you put a lot of money time and effort into this sport it's very rewarding having someone there fishing by yourself, mate. So obviously we've just bought a big boat. I know you own a big boat um, and you managed to do it by yourself. 99.9% of the time. Um, I've seen you out on the water. Uh, Dad and I were fighting a marlin or trying to get a marlin off a bait ball when we first met over there. And you backed your boat in through a, uh, a bait straight into the, the bait ball and then proceeded to walk your marlin between three other boats and off you went fighting this fish by yourself in, in your boat. So 
just give us a bit of a rundown on your boat and then uh, and then talk us through fishing by yourself. All right, okay. Well, I'm, I'm flattered to hear that I've, uh, you know, like a mentor, that sort of um, uh, blows me away a little bit. But I suppose, look, we all learn from other people, don't we? I mean, I'm, my knowledge has been gained from other, you know, really good professional crews and, um, and recreational fishermen that I've rubbed shoulders with over the years. And I've been very fortunate to rub uh, shoulders with some of the best marlin fishermen here on our east coast anyway. As far as uh, uh, my boat's concerned, I used to fish out of a formula for quite a few years and I bit the bullet, decided that I would make Bermagui uh, my port as such, uh, home port, I think would be the best way to say that, and decided to buy myself a, um, what you would call a bigger boat. It's not quite as big as yours, Daniel, but um, it, it's, it's good enough for what I do. It's a 30-foot lures. Um, it's a, an express boat and it certainly has some advantages and it has some disadvantages as well. But overall, I've set it up in a way that allows me to um, be able to fish solo and, uh, and the biggest asset in that boat for being able to do that is, is having a third helm, which is out in the, in the cockpit, in the, you know, where we're fishing from. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've seen the boat and, uh, and obviously watched you at work multiple times and uh you you definitely know how to handle it but fighting a fish by yourself i mean you know anyone that's been out chasing marlin know that in my opinion they are the pinnacle game fish you know they're they're the ones that everyone comes to chase they put on a spectacular show but i've got to be brutally honest mate watching you work is is phenomenal seeing you handle a marlin at the back of the boat by yourself put a tag in it send it on its way, do everything. Whereas there's a lot of other boats, us included, that need a minimum of sort of three people, including the captain on, on the boat. So you've obviously got a technique down, down, uh, down pat. So what, what is sort of your technique and, and what are you sort of getting at when you're heading out? Yeah, all right, okay. Well, there's, there's quite a few that, that do um, solo fishing and, and uh, it's certainly becoming a lot more popular these days. I think that, the biggest thing is for years I overcomplicated things and now I've just simplified everything I can. And um, I think that's probably the, 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 something really important to pass on to people that don't overcomplicate things, keep it as simple as you can and, and more so when you've got less numbers on the boat, so as in crew. So um, from that point of view, I've, I've tried to simplify my, my technique and... Um, and as you know, uh, Daniel, there's many ways to fish for marlin, um, and yep. different um, different areas will have their uh, uh, preferred techniques, whether it be live baiting, um, uh, skipping baits, lure fishing, uh, bait balls, as we do here on the south coast a fair bit, um, and teasing. So um, I think it's it's important to have skills in all those types of techniques because you don't know when you turn up especially uh, as I did for many years coming from Victoria I was only here for a limited time and you you, you know you had to uh, you had to match what was happening out there at the time and how that how you were catching fish so if it was on lures you had to be able to know how to troll lures if it was uh, live baiting or, or switch baiting you needed to know uh, if you wanted to get a fair share or a fair reward for your effort you needed to know how to do those types of techniques so for me I've decided that the most exciting way to fish for, uh, for, uh, for striped marlin 
is uh, is teaser fishing. And uh, not everyone will agree with me on that, but I think it's the most exciting way. And, and I think it, it, there's an element of skill to be able to, uh, to one, have the fish raised and then brought to the back of the boat and switched out with a, with a live or a dead bait. Whether you're solo fishing or whether you're with uh, a team, it, it really is, um, it, it really is a, a bit of skill involved and, and a technique. And I've learned over the years to keep it simple or, uh, or, or you'll be very frustrated. Yeah, I think uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. We um when we first met you, we were doing everything. You know, we'd heard all about having teasers out the back of the boat. We weren't learnt all about having lures out there. We had we had we had that much stuff behind that back of the boat that you you could have bought a tackle shop off what was running off the back of the boat. And uh, one of the first things you ever said to me was, "No, it's you've got too much. It's overcomplicated." And uh, I think. That point was proven for us when uh, when we had a, I want to say a black marlin because looking back on the footage and some of the stuff now, I, I reckon it was a little black, but he come crashing through our spread and destroyed every lure that we had out the back of the boat. Just he hooked on the um on the left rigger and then proceeded to go through every bit of gear that we had out the back of the boat, and we ended up losing him with our tackle shop and uh after that everything that you'd said to me the day prior sort of really hit home and i'm like yeah this we, we need to change our things here so if you the one bit of advice from everything that is a is an awesome bit of advice for anyone that just starting out marlin fishing keep it simple well, well don't feel too bad about that because for years like you know I ran a flotilla of every known teaser known to man i i promise you and um I would say to my partner, Louise, I have definitely got the teaser that they love at the moment and then next year I'd come back and couldn't raise a fish on it. So we'd, we'd put another two things out as well. So, so, but I learned and I think fishing by yourself because you haven't got the hands on, 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 on the deck, you haven't got uh, people there helping you, um, keep it simple. Just put a couple of things out and I realised by doing that that we were raising just as many fish, if not more, than most of the fleet and we had far less uh far less gear out the back and uh so really it's it's about doing the miles and that's why i like teaser fishing because you're generally doing your six seven knots uh we're live baiting in against current and that is not really covering a lot of area sure when you find the fish it's a, a great technique on, on how to catch fish once you've found where they are um, but generally you need to cover some miles that type of fishing allows you to do that and for me, I just have two teasers out the back and generally they are just two normal lures. Lures that I know are proven and I might run a daisy chain in front of one of them. If the water's a bit rougher, because uh, the type of lure I use, it needs to be held down a bit, yep. Yeah, so that, that yeah, you, um, like I've followed you around now. Like, you know, we, we've been that boat that follows you around to see what you're doing and, and see how it's all getting done. And the lures that you run, I was blown away when, when we got back to, uh, to port and you're like, yeah, this is all I'm running. And I'm like, really? Like, that's, that's it? It's, it blew my mind. I was like, there's no, you know, dredge bars. There's no, none of this sort of stuff. It's, it's pretty straightforward. And like you said, it, it is simple, which obviously works and works really, really well. Yeah, look, you know, most teasers work. I mean, you know, it's it's just, I suppose, the more you run something out the back and, and you keep getting success on it, you'll, you'll convince yourself that they're the teasers you've got to keep running. 
But I'm sure there are many, many, many uh, crews that have their favourite teasers. Um, I, I just, you know, I've got a Marlin Magic tube out the back. I've got a, um, a Tantrum lure at the moment that I'm really liking. The Moldcraft lures. They're, they're, they're lures that I call um, or would say they're proven lures around the world that raise Marlin. And uh, finding the right colours, the, the, the right size lure is, is more a thing for your particular area that you're fishing. But when you, you know, I've been fishing, game fishing since the mid 80s for tuna, for marlin since the late 90s. Um, I've done a fair few miles. I've done, you know, I average now, I average around about five to 700 hours a year on the water. And um, so therefore, you, you generally have done a bit of towing of lures. So to make it into the spread, it has to be a proven lure. And what I mean by proven is that it's 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 got to have raised a few few marlin. If it's only raised a, a, a few marlin, it, it, you know it, it it'll do it. But the lures I'm using have raised forty and fifty marlin in a season. You know, so um, I'm pretty confident with those lures. So I just keep using them, and they don't work every day. You know, they don't raise fish every day. It's just, so uh, on that one, then how often are you changing out your your teasers? So you're out there. I know you leave really really early. And, uh, and you definitely 100% put in the hours. Um, no one out there that I know puts in more time and effort out on the water than you do. You're out before the sun goes up and you're back after the sun's gone down. So I know you're definitely putting in the hours. The, um, but how often, like during a day, how often will you change out your, like when's the time that you go, yeah, this teaser needs to go, I'm, I'm putting something else out. What's your sort of go-to there? Yeah, look, I have confidence in, in, in the, in the, probably the three or four lures that I've got, but only two go out at a time. And uh, the, the, I will change them when I know what sort of bait's in the water. If I see a lot of dolphin fish, I'll, I'll generally use a lure that I think might mimic a dolphin fish. I can't prove it, but I seem to raise more fish when dolphin fish are around or when striped, mar uh, striped tuna are around. I'll, I'll, use, uh, I'll go to the purples and blacks uh, with frigates and things like that, more the purples and blacks. But no, I don't change very much at all. There's many days that I don't change my lures at all. They're, they're proven. They've, they've held me in good stead. So I don't sack them just because they don't raise a fish for seven or eight hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm confident with them, you know. And there are days that, you know, I generally one, run one short and one long. And what I mean by short is it's generally on, um, on the third pressure wave third or fourth pressure wave and the other one's on about the fifth or the sixth yep. that's how i fish i fish with electric reels i i didn't in the early days and i can i can assure you switching with only one set of hands and trying to wind the teaser and put the bait in and and uh and trying to keep your eyes on everything and uh and adrenaline would get hold of you and yeah made a lot of errors and uh but teaser you know my electric reels now just allow me to um you know, have some composure uh, with with the actual tease itself. Yep. yep. There are many people that just don't like winding the reel. Um, I like to have my hands on a little bit of everything, as you as you can tell, doing it solo. But there are lots that just love teasing the fish, and uh, um, you know, they, they get a kick out of just teasing the fish all the way to the back of the boat. It's quite exciting. Um, oh, what I know what you're talking about with adrenaline, and uh, for anyone that's just started their marlin fishing campaign i suppose it's uh 
seeing that fish lit up at the back of the boat, it is something that you will remember forever. Like I, you can't explain it. You can see it on TV. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but having though, even seeing fish on a bait ball and stuff like that, like that day that we got schooled by you, uh, dad and I were in a pretty heated argument because we'd throw on about six different slimies hooks had gone one way. Slimies had gone another way. There was things going everywhere. And, uh, I was just in awe of the fish at the back of the boat. And, and then you come in like right up beside us through your pitch bait, straight hook up, walked it out between us and, and off you went. But seeing those fish, like the adrenaline just starts pumping and even having the fish come up now on teasers and stuff like that, having to compose yourself and, and know when to pitch your, your livey and know when to move the boat across and, and all those things you know, it, it does take practice and you've definitely put the time in. So you, you've got it down. I, I'd say pretty close to an art now, mate. Like it, watching your work is, is impressive. Uh, oh yeah. I, I think it gets back to you put, I'm putting in lots of time, you know, 12 hours a day on most days. So you, you really want your reward and look, I might only get one chance for the day. And if I'm not, you know, so, uh, I, being solo, I can't be watching everywhere. I'm looking for bait balls, I'm looking for birds, I'm looking for activity. And 90% of the time, I'm looking in the spread because my opportunity could be one inch of dorsal fin that is behind the teaser and it, it may just disappear and I, I would never known he's there. And I've turned so many of those fish that are what we call window shoppers that come in and have a look at the teaser um, and swim away and I've turned, I'm sure I've turned a lot of those fish into caught fish um, because uh, of being able to pick up and keeping, um, being attentive to watching the, the teasers, yeah? Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I suppose I uh, lost my train of thought there, uh, Daniel, but, yeah, but that's, uh, you know, been really important and exciting. And and the most exciting thing, and I, with, with Stripe Marlin, I think if I had my choice, I would always throw a live slimy. At a, at a striped marlin when it comes up on the teaser when I'm switching. But if you really want excitement and really want to see a really good bite, put a dead slimy and skip him back next to the teaser when, when you're switching. And you, you have to see the bite because he has to come uh, out of the water to take the bait. And it's the most exciting thing. And um, and I think it's easier with, with a dead bait because you can actually see what's happening where with a live bait under the water, you're feeling, you're feeling for that bite and knowing when to um, make sure he's got slack line before, and, um, you know, and, and making sure that um, you've let him take it long enough, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, um, that's why I love teaser fishing. It's, um, it's just so exciting. And so bait balls, as you said, seeing those fish at the back of the boat, that's exciting too. But I find the skill of catching a fish out of a bait ball is not quite the same as catching one on a teaser you know switching one off a teaser so and there'll be plenty that will argue with me about whether it should you know it's more exciting about catching them on lures or bait or whatever everyone of their own but i think you need to be versatile and you need to know how to to apply these techniques um because when you come especially on the south coast or anywhere um you want to make sure you give yourself a good chance and if it be that they're catching them on skip baits that that's what you, you know how to do it you know, yeah. and give yourself a chance. So, so anyone that's, you know, obviously marlin season's done for this year. Everyone will be starting to ramp up and get ready for, for next year pretty soon. Well, on the South Coast, yeah. On the yep. South Coast, 
go north, obviously, they've got a better longer season than us, yes, but go on, yes. But for those people that are heading over to the south coast this this next season, you know, what is what is your go-to? So what would you recommend for that person that's coming over for the first time, um, they've gotten back into their game fishing, they're, they're looking for that marlin, what's what's your, your, your five top tips for coming over? Don't book accommodation in advance. You want to fish where the fish are. Yep. And that could be anywhere on, on, on and I'll call our south, south coast anywhere from Jarvis Bay to Eden, even down to Malacuta. I mean, uh, it's the uh, new fisheries opening up there, isn't it, really? Yep. So, but on the south coast, uh, that I, I'd be listening for reports and I'd be going to where the bulk of the fish are. And, and that moves around each season and, and it moves around as the season goes on. You know, generally it's, uh, generally the fishing's, Early is better up at JB and, uh, and and a sprinkling and anywhere from December, you know, is is fair game for, for striped marlin, and depending on the currents, the currents will bring black marlin or um, or, or more striped marlin, depending on the currents. If you want to chase blue marlin, I, I think you're better off further up the coast, up JB way than you are down here. We catch them here, but it's a, a very limited window, and some years are better than others, like anywhere, but. That would be the first thing is, is, is look for, uh, for where the fish are, fishing reports. Um, second thing is, yeah, look, be versatile. Uh, be versatile. Be, be, uh, you don't have to be an expert, but know how to rig a skip bait. Know how to run lures, especially as you move down the south coast, bait balls, because there's more seals further down the coast um, than there is up at JB. Uh, although things are changing, the, the the, the seals, are, uh, the populations are getting bigger and bigger and moving around. But, you know, generally up there at Jarvis Bay, you'll be live baiting for, for greater success. Yep, for greater success. And um, as you move down the coast, then, you, you know, there's more bait balls appearing more off south of Batemans Bay and um, especially around Montague Island and down to Eden. And so uh, depending on where you are will depend on the, on, on the technique. So I, I, as I said, understand how to apply those techniques and um, ear to the ground, see what where the fish are and what how they're catching them. But whatever day you go out on, I think you need to have a game plan. And I certainly do. My, you know, and I try to stick to it. Obviously, things that happen out there can change the way you fish and you don't know what each day brings with bait, um, etc. Sometimes you can't get bait. So you do have to use a dead bait if you're going to switch because you can't catch live bait, etc. So I, I would have a game plan. And um, I, I suppose if I walk you through my game plan, it's, it's if I'm by myself, it's two teasers. I used to run a skip bait down the middle, but I just found that when I was switching and, and hooked a fish up from, from switching it, that it just took me too long to get the skip bait in and it caused a few problems with the manoeuvring of the boat. They're unpredictable marlin. Uh, they would always manage to swim across that line and uh, run the risk of, of, of breaking off and etc. So I just decided that I just run two teasers. And, yep. and that, again, shows people that you don't have to have this flotilla of, of you know, five or six different teasers out there at, at once with witch doctors and all those sorts of things, yeah. Um, sure, they all work. I've got no doubt about it. Just try and keep it to a minimum, I think. Um, and when you raise fish into the spread, don't give them too many options because they're greedy little 
little suckers, I should say, and, and they will. They will try and eat everything that's in your spread sometimes. And um, so you really want them focused on one thing and then you, you know, uh, then you can, uh, especially when you're switching. Yeah. So that's what I do. And um, I run around all day with just two things out and ready to deploy a live bait on either side of the boat as soon as one comes up. Yep. Yep. And start the, 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 um, the technique of switching. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. Obviously you've caught a few, so I'm going to put you on the spot now. What's your most memorable catch? Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, most memorable catch? Well, look, I suppose it's always the ones that get away, aren't they? So when I first got the boat, uh, me and uh, uh, Stewie Hull, Rooster, don't know if you know Rooster, but um, a pretty well-known uh, fisherman here on the south coast. Um, yeah, look, we had a blue marlin on for, for seven hours and, uh, and we lost it. So that was memorable. It was a, you know, fantastic fish. And um, so that, that, that's edged into my mind. I, you know, uh, there's a 200 kilo blue that I've caught with uh, a couple of fellas that came up and fished with me. And, um, but there's been numerous days of, you know, uh, numbers of marlin. Um, and, you know, they're great. Uh, I think I, I've had quite a few days of eight fish and seven fish and um, a day with John Willis where we got five from. That, that was quite a memorable day. Yeah. I think any day where you catch over two or three fish is, is, is a memorable day, isn't it? I mean, it definitely is. If you average one fish a day here on this coast, you, you're fishing pretty well. You're yeah. fishing, yeah. So there's a lot of days that you don't catch fish, and um, yeah, and there's some good crews that come up and really do very well, you know, when they do come up here. And, uh, but generally, they're the ones that can move around. I'm a little bit less flexible now in the big boat. Uh, I can only go so far in a day. Um, and so we're, we're setting goals to maybe be able to change that over the next year or two. So, but those with trailer boats, back to what I said, yeah, listen to the reports and go to where the bulk of the fish are. Yep. Yeah. Um, and be prepared to apply the techniques that work in those areas. And traditionally, uh, traditionally, um, they... Uh, they do. It, it changes a little bit on the south coast as to uh, what method you would use. Yeah, for, for better. You've spoken about it a couple of times there, having like going to where the, the fish are. And I think having a network of friends along the coast that you can trust and rely on, not just believe in everything that you see on Facebook or, or you know, all these other places, but having people that you can actually talk to and you know are reliable. And, and I think that obviously comes with a bit of time in the fishing or the game fishing realm, not everyone wants to give up their marks and all that sort of stuff, which is ex acceptable. You know, I, I'm the same. It takes me a little while to, to sort of hand out where we've done really well. And, and it, it goes both ways. You've got to earn each other's trust. So, um, but I think as you get further and further into your game fishing and, and more proficient at it and you master some of the, the techniques and you start learning a lot more and you start talking to a lot more people like, like yourself, um, people that will take their time and, and really uh, go out of their way, I suppose, to, to help someone like us that was very new at it and still are. We, we're still learning 100% every time we come up. Um, but having that, that support network is a, is a big thing. Yeah, look, I think that the gist of that, I lost the last bit of it, is, um, yeah, you need to, 
you need to rely on other people because you can't be everywhere, you know, every, even in a day. You, you head north and it's the old saying, isn't it? Ah, I should have gone south today. They caught more down there. So you need to rely on people. Um, it's a little different. I'm, I'm from I'm from Melbourne. I'm, um, I've been coming up here over 30 years. And, and when you anchor fish for snapper, um, you were very... Uh, uh, oh, secretive about your marks because it was uh, it's different fish. This is pelagic fishing, and I think uh, the good thing about uh, this type of fishing up here that the fish move every day, and it and it is a little harder to um, to hide where you are fishing because you know uh, people see you out here. That when you're fishing for striped marlin, generally you're either fishing on the shelf or on a known reef like the twelve mile. And uh, so as long as you head in the right direction, the fish in the currents could have moved up or down and uh, where you caught them yesterday, they're probably going to be somewhere there possibly, but they'll move up to 20, 30 miles in a night. Yeah. Which, yeah, which we find out. So yeah, but it is important to um, yeah, go to where the bulk of the fish are. I think Rex Hunt says fish, don't fish where the fish ain't. Yeah. Well, it is. It's just so true. You're better off yeah, putting yourself, uh, putting yourself in the best uh, opportunity and that's where the best reports are. Yeah, fishing fishing gear. So, what are you what are you using at the moment? So, what's your what are your what rod and reels are you using, and why are you sort of with those? Oh, look, I'm a Shimano person. Um, yep. So, um, I'm not sponsored by Shimano, but um, Shimano. Look, I buy things off 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 the rack, uh, as such. Uh, that's me. Others are more fastidious about what they use, um, but I'm using Tiagras. Uh, Talicas, um, I'm not using, but they're a great reel. Um, but I'm using uh, Tiagras. I'm using 50s now. I've been through the light gear, through to the heavy gear. And it, it depends on your view. Like, we don't kill a lot of marlin. I think we've killed a couple in maybe, you know, uh, 10 or 15 years. You know, less, less than a handful. Um, we release most of our fish. Um, and we try to release them in, in the best fashion that we can give them every opportunity to survive. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, um, a shorter fight would probably be better for the marlin. And, um, yep, but as you mentioned when we first opened up, that it is the pinnacle of all fishing. And when I do have someone come on board who's never caught a marlin, I don't really want the fight to be over in three or four minutes. I want them to uh, to experience what marlin can do. And um, and every fish is different. Every now and then you've got a fish that swims straight back to the boat and you'll look at each other and say, well, he didn't do much, did he? But And then others might take you a couple of hours and uh, they really put on a show. So, But, yep, for me, off the shelf, um, I think Tiagra T-curves, Tiagra reels, um, they're pretty good. My electric reels are the, uh, the plays. Plays 9000s and the Force Master, I think, is the new one now. So that that's what I'm using on the boat. Yeah, okay. So you, you sort of touched on it there. What is the longest fight time that you've actually been on a on a marlin? Yeah, on that blue marlin. Yeah, on that blue marlin for, I think, six hours and I think it was close to seven, but somewhere there, yeah. How, how big do you reckon that was? Oh, look, I leave that up to Stewie to make those presumptions. He, at the time, he was a far better judge on fish and still is. Um, uh, even though I've seen a lot of marlin, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, until you weigh a lot of marlin, it's it's sometimes hard to gauge how big they are. When you've weighed a lot, and I haven't because I don't kill, I think you, you, you're more likely to be more accurate. Somewhere around the six, seven hundred pound fish, 
something like that it was. So, but look, you know, for the South Coast, it was, a, it was a, what they call a real one. Yep. You know, it was real fish. So the majority of fish down here striped marlin are around about 80 kilo. Yeah, okay. And 80 kilo, if you're looking for a fair fight with tackle, 10 kilo line. 10 kilo line is a very good match for an 80 kilo striped marlin. Yep, you'll be looking at roughly an hour fight, give or take how good the driver is. Yep. And, and your view on whether you want to gun a fish down or whether you want to play it from a dead boat. You know, but if you do a little bit of both, yeah, where you, you know, um, 45 minutes an hour would be a, a fair play on, uh, on 10 kilo, there'll be argument about what that does to the fish of that length of time. Really, you'd want to knock it over in 25 minutes or 20 minutes, half an hour. And I'm sure most anglers would want to do that too uh, because of the, uh, the fatigue factor. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, striped marlin is, is what you guys get a lot of on the south coast there. But out of all the marlin, which is the, uh, which is the prize marlin for you? Like, what is on the bucket list for, for Tyrone? What is the, the pinnacle that you are chasing? Like, what is the, you know, what is the, the catch where you'll turn around and go, yeah, I've, I've made it, like I've, I've, I've done it sort of thing. Well, a, a good friend of mine, Wobbles, um, uh, Ian Ford took me up to, um, to Cairns and look, wasn't huge in Cairns standards, but 800 pound marlin, caught one of those. That was, that was a highlight too um, as well. But for me, it's about, it, it's the technique, how you do it. And generally that's, you know, skipping baits, swimming baits, uh, no, looking forward to going and switching blue marlin, maybe off Fraser Island or, or somewhere there where they're, you know, uh, they can be a bit smaller at Fraser Island, but off the Gold Coast there, a couple of hundred kilo fish, um, doing two or three of those in a day would be would be pretty good stuff, especially switching because they they really are a spectacular fish to watch the bite. And when they, when they appear at the back of a teaser or, as I should say when the big hole the tear appears at the back of the teaser because they've just bitten it um it uh, would be pretty exciting stuff then i think yeah blue marlin for sure blue yeah. marlin yeah i think that you know they put on a show the black marlin up in cans put on a show but generally that's closer at the boat when when the when the lineman uh, you know has has taken the, the leader etc and uh but blue marlin yeah generally that that hook up that that first run is pretty ballistic um can be anyway we got video footage uh last last year um of a i'm positive it was a blue after we've watched the video footage back and multiple times now the um it come like, as soon as it got hooked it spent 99 percent of its time out of the water and ended up in front of the boat in the blink of an eye and I remember gunning the throttles down on the cat, trying to run this thing down, and Dad was hooked up on 15 kilo, and the belly in the line, like Dad's yelling at me to slow down because the belly in the line just couldn't catch up to where the fish was going, and it it smoked us like it was on for maybe two to three minutes at most. We ended up breaking it off because I'd put too much belly in the line and put too much drag on it and did everything wrong that I possibly could. But that thing, yeah, 100%. It was, it just put on a massive show. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, blue marlin, they're things that you won't forget. Uh, generally, yeah, when you hook a blue marlin, you'll definitely know you've got one on. Uh, many a time they'll pass the front of the boat. Um, yep, and uh, with spectacular jumping everywhere. And 
and that may go on for quite a few minutes before it settles down. So, yeah, sounds like a blue. Yeah, so I suppose the other things is to try and rub shoulders with people who have knowledge, you know, what you want to do. You know, it's so true in life with everything, isn't it? If you hang around with the right people, you, the, you know, the right knowledge will be passed on. I, you know, and I think most of them here um, are pretty open. I mean, um, things have changed. The uh, things are changing in Bermagui. The some of the older crew, like the Bill Dunkleys, the Steve Tedesco's, um, Ashley Wallace, they've all moved on. We, we've now got uh, people like Nathan Brown and and look, you know, Brett O'Donnell, Crusty. He's he's one of the best up here for sure. You know, and getting information from them, knowledge, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you can't buy that. You can't buy that, and it, it takes years off your learning, years. And uh, I, yeah, you you. I know we keep coming back to it and people will probably be like, yeah, you've mentioned this, but it, it is so true. Like our learning curve, that first year that we were over there, I think in that first year, we, we got two marlin for the, that year, for that season. And we fished uh, nearly a month over at Birmingham um, and, and only got two fish in that, in that month. And then after I'd spoken to you, after, you know, we'd spoken, we we refined a bit more of our technique. We come over for the second season and uh, we, we doubled it in that month. We, we ended up with, I think for that year it was four. Um, and then the third season, uh, we really put a big effort in. We spent, uh, I think it was just under two months over there, but there was mm. a day over there where we had eight fish at the back of the boat and tagged tag four. And it was, you know, like that's still been our best day to, to date but every year that we've come back over and we've had the opportunity to speak with with people like yourself and, and refine our technique and have the time on the water we are getting better and better at it and looking at the sign on the water being able to read the water being able to look for you know like you said bird life bait all those sorts of things has slowly slowly improved and uh like i said at the start of the show a lot of it has got to do with with rubbing shoulders with someone like yourself that has that experience and, and is willing to pass that stuff on. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's no doubt. I, you, you, you're taking me back through memory lane. And um, uh, Daniel, there were many years where we caught eight for a whole season. And the season, remember, coming up from Victoria, like most Victorians that do come here, you've got a window of a week, two weeks. You've got a factor in bad weather. You come back at different times. Every year, you might come back at the same time, but the fishing's different. They're on bait balls or they're not. They're up, at, you know, further up the coast, further down the coast. So you only learn so much in that small window. And, and these fellas that I'm talking about here, if you can get associated with them, they'll help you because they're fishing, they're fishing 100 days a year and they're fishing through, throughout the whole season. So they're seeing different water and current come they're seeing different baits uh uh you know from from slimy mackerel through to trigger fish to to striped tuna to um red bait coming through the area and their techniques will change as, and um so if you happen to hit at a time when you haven't had that experience then then it's important that you can quickly adapt yeah. um, and these people have helped me immensely you know have taken and, and you're spending a lot of money. I mean, when you fish on your on my boat, I'm not being rude here, please, but it, it's 225 litres a day and I've got to put my hand in my pocket for that. And I'm, 
you know, there are a lot more, lot more wealthier people than me around the place, but I live for fishing. That's all I live for. So I don't spend money on anything else but fishing, you know, and food. Yeah. Preaching to the converted now, mate. And I, <laughs> we are on a massive, another one of those massive steep learning curves with a new big boat. And, uh, and everyone that I've spoken to about it is like, oh, that's really economical. That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm still sitting here every time I fill it up, it's a paycheck. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. But you're right. That's, that's our passion. And that's, that's what we want to spend our money on. Yeah, so that's without the tackle and, and all that that goes with it. And, and so, therefore, you want to get a fair reward when you're throwing $50 notes out the back of your boat, you know, 50. every day. Only yeah, 50 what? is out the back of yours, mate. Ours is throwing hundos. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. But I think you, you get the gist of what I'm saying is that, um, you know, it's an expensive sport and um, you put a lot of time in. And if you've only got limited time, if you've only got your three-week holiday for the year, it's a long time between drinks. So you want to make sure that, you know, you come up here and give yourself the best chance that you possibly can. And, and for some people, it's about just seeing Marlin at the back of the boat. And then I think you move on from that. And, and now I'm at a stage where um, we, we, we've caught quite a few numbers of fish, reasonable amount of fish. Um, so now we will set slightly different goals. Um, it, it's, it's not about numbers no more. And, and, well, not that we were ever chasing the Sir Garrick Agnew Trophy, but that just came along because we were in the tagging program. Um, and because of the amount of time I spend on the water, I put a lot of tags in. So it was... Uh, yeah, so that's how that came about. And um, so, but now, as you said, it'll be switching a blue marlin or uh, or doing something like that. Yeah, something different. Not so much the number. But I, I definitely hope we are up there uh, and nearby when you do switch that, that blue marlin and we can get some photos of it because it'll be pretty impressive, mate. And I, I hope, I hope everything works out really well for you and I hope you do get it done. And I, I look forward to catching up with you and, and hearing about it too. Yeah, yeah. Look, we, we've switched a couple of blue marlin uh, over the years, but um, it, it's, um, yeah, it, it's become a little bit more at the forefront now that that's what we want to go and do. And, uh, and it may be that I've got to go to Fraser Island and fish with a mate of mine and, um, and um, out of his boat, which will be a lot nicer than fishing out of my boat. But, um, yeah, no, I look forward to it. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you back up here next season and having another go at it and um, hopefully refining your skills and, and getting a bit more reward. We'll, we'll do what they call uh, stop and smell the roses. Uh, uh, rather than be 100 mile all the time on, uh, on, on doing our fishing tackle and getting our boats prepared for the next day. So, no, no, look forward to that, uh, Daniel. I think um, you've got the boat now um, uh, to be able to do all that sort of thing. Uh, I know that you've, you've, you've planned on coming back and having a good season next year, and that'll be, I think, a, a good um, a good bit of experience for, for what's in store for you the following year. I hope so, mate. I really do. All right. Well, um, look, mate, I really do appreciate you taking your time out of your, your day to, uh, to jump on the podcast. Um, I think uh, a lot of people listening to this are going to definitely get value out of it. I know we have just by speaking to you when we met you over there and, and all that sort of stuff and, and the things that we've spoken about in this podcast, if people apply those and, and really do apply them, not just pay them lip service, but apply those principles, I think, uh, I think their marlin fishing experience will be better for it. So um, look, mate, like I said, I really do look forward to catching up with you next marlin season. Be safe, stay out of trouble. Don't let the COVID get you. 
and uh, I hope you and Louise have a have a good good winter up there and stay warm and out of trouble. Uh, don't spend too much money on the boat, mate, because they always cost money. I know there's always maintenance, but you know. Um, but yeah, really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, it's been good. I love talking about something that you, you love doing. So uh, I appreciate the, the opportunity to share a little bit of um, knowledge. As I said, it's knowledge that I've picked up from other people. Um, and I think it's just the right thing that we do. We, we pass that on. And, um, <clears throat> you know, people won't use every, everything that I've talked about tonight, but if they take a small bit out and apply it to their own methods, um, and if that improves the situation, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be tickled pink. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. No, awesome, buddy. All right, that's great. Thanks, Dan. Right. Well, we'll chat soon. I'll see you when I'm looking at you. <laughs>